0: panel. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first installment of Iron Sharpens Iron Talking Faith with Pastor Ellis Henderson. We are excited to be on the Black Talk Radio Network, my good brother Scotty Reed, as well as RVA Soul. I just want to thank them for hosting us and allowing us for a platform to establish this forum in which individuals of the Christian faith or who are interested about the Christian faith can come and we can talk about our faith. And so, um, just as, a, just as a, a brief introduction to who I am, um, I am Ellis O. Henderson, and I am the pastor of the Way of the Lord Church Ministry, or of the Way of the Lord Fellowship at 1700 Blair Street in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at www.twotl.org. We've been in existence for almost um, almost 20 years now, um, 18 years. I've been in ministry almost 27 years. Um, I have a doctor of education. I went to seminary at Virginia Union, but what brought me here to this point is that um, though I've been pastoring and, and, and living life like everybody else, I've always had this question about faith and what faith meant. And so, after my grandmother passed in January of 2021, I struggled with my own faith, and a part of that journey led me to go to Africa in November 2020. While while going to Africa. The first day that I get there on that Sunday is I'm preparing to do a revival over in Burkina Faso, West Africa. I slip and fall and I break my left ankle and I rupture my right knee patella tendon. And long story short, um, I was in a wheelchair for about 10 months. And for the last 10 months, I have learned to live by faith. And over in um, Romans chapter one, verse 17, it says the righteous shall live by faith. And that was a scripture that first got introduced to me in 1994 and based off of a situation um, that was occurring. And as I look back then, when I first heard that scripture, I never really understood what it meant. With that being said, I understood what it means now. And so during this podcast, this form, we're going to be talking about faith, but more importantly, how do we apply our faith as Christians? to an everyday life. And so first and foremost, um, I want us to go you to have to have your bibles. We're going to be over in Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse 31 and 32. And this is important because in Genesis chapter 11, we get introduced to Terah, who is the father of Abraham, but at this time was Abram. Okay? And so when we talk about faith biblically and from a Christian perspective, For me, I do a comparative study between the Old Testament and New Testament because I think it's important to build a bridge. That's one of the things we learn in seminary about building a bridge from one thing to to the other. So over in the Old Testament, over in Genesis chapter 11, we see Terah was given an assignment in verse 31. And so in Genesis 11, verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter in law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And so what became peculiar to me was why did Terah settle in Haran? Because he was given directive to go to the land of Canaan. But yet he did not go. He got complacent and he settled there. And I think oftentimes in our faith journey, we grow weary and we settle. And so not to condemn Tara for his decision, but I want to point out that we are very much like Tara and that oftentimes in our journey, we get tired and we just settle. We, we have we made a decision. We don't want to go to the, any further. We want to settle there, right? And so what we see here, is that terror settling? But but also, if you turn with me over to Joshua twenty four two, we'll 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 see why terror settled. Right. So it's one thing to make an assumption. Oh, he settled over in Haran, and why did he settle there? But over in Joshua twenty four two, it tells you why. And we recognize Joshua because over in Joshua twenty four, there's a familiar passage over in verse fourteen. In verse 15, in which Joshua says, ask for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And so we know for him to make that kind of statement, there was something else going on around him, which led him to say, hey, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what y'all are going to do, but we're going to serve the Lord. Right. So over in verse two of Joshua 24, it reads. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abram and Noor lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Meaning that Terah was a false idol, worshiper. He worshiped false idols. He worshiped false gods. And, and also Abraham did the same thing. So now we have meat to the bone as to why terror settled, but also why in Genesis 12, one, Abraham was called away from terror. So in the settlement of Haran, there was false gods there. And many of us can identify because we have false gods in our own lives, right? So anytime a false god is anything between you and God. You know, what I teach our churches at the Way of the Lord Fellowship is that you can tell the false gods based off of your pocketbook. See, what you spend your money on is what you worship, right? And so, this is why oftentimes in our community, African American community, we never wanted to get accused of, you know, worshiping a false God, but we wanted to put our trust in the Lord, right? And this is why we gave a tithe and offer. This is what my grandmother taught me. And I didn't understand all this until I got in my current situation. So, it's really about a faith, a belief right? That God is going to take care of some things. So we have to be careful that we don't have any false God between us and God. We all are passionate about certain things. We all love certain things, but nothing should be between us and God. And so anytime we have a false God in our life, anytime we have a false God operating in our life, there's going to be some problems and there's going to be some issues so it looks like, you know, you know you're know, you going to have a life unfulfilled when you have false gods present. You're going to live a life with regrets. You know, Terah, his decision would have brought a curse on the next generation. And God had made a promise to Abraham that his descendants were going to be as counted as the sands of the sea. I mean, the sands of, of the shore, right? And so God had to promise Abraham children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But because terror did not go over to the land of Canaan, he would have brought a curse down upon that, right? But this is always a result of him worshiping false gods. See, because false gods oftentimes prevent us from seeing into the future. See, we can't see into the future because we have something blocking our view, and that could be our children. That could be our spouse. That could be our job. It could be anything that's not feeding your spirit. See, a false god can't feed your spirit. A false god can tickle your flesh, and a false god can appeal to your humanity and your human senses. But a false god cannot feed your spirit. And because we are not fed spiritually, this is why we see so many people in the the world fall by the wayside. This is why they fall over into other temptations, because their spirit is not fed. Because we haven't been taught to feed our spirits. We've been taught to feed our flesh. This is why we're overeating. This is why we're over drinking and consuming ourselves in drugs or taking prescription meds. We're doing everything we can to, to find fulfillment, not understanding and realizing that fulfillment cannot be found in anything that's not spiritual, right? It has to be a spiritual. This is why our soul has to be fed. And when your soul isn't fed, you'll see certain behaviors such as anger manifest, right? You'll see anxiety manifest, right? You'll see some other issues manifest because the whole idea is to get you disconnected from your spiritual source. If I can disconnect you from your spiritual source, then you will look to me, you will worship me. This is why many of us are so addicted to our phones. So the phone has become a false god. The television has become a false god. Because now we're looking at these things but they are not spiritually rooted, and they can easily misinform us and mislead us, right? So not only can a religion you know, mis- mislead you and misform, misinform you. But now I want you to look at the things around you, the gods that you're watching, that you're listening to, and how much information is being poured into you, which is impacting your faith and is causing you to settle. Okay? And so we have to, we have to pull all that stuff out before we can establish what faith is. Because faith, as it says in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? It means... Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, right? And so, over in Genesis chapter 12, 1, what we begin to see is some things that begin to take place. So, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Abraham, or let's refer to his biblical name, Abram, was given a different, or he was given a directive from God Almighty. Terah was led. I mean, he had an unction. God was calling him out, right? But God decides to present himself to Abram in a way he didn't present himself to Terah. So if you look over in Genesis 11, 31, 32, you don't see the kind of presentation that we can see in the Hebrew. It's almost as if God is jumping out of heaven to pull Abraham or Abram aside and give him some special instructions so in verse one it says now the lord said to abraham and i study out of the new revised standard version go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land i will show you i will make of you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? And so now we see a divine relationship begin to occur. Because Abraham was not familiar with the God of all gods, the king of all kings. He was not familiar with Yahweh. And so when when Yahweh was separating him from his father's house, his kindred and his country... This was not normal for Abraham because remember, he was also worshiping false idols. So he was accustomed to worshiping things. And now he's been called away from the things that he worshiped that he could see to to something that he could not see. See, oftentimes we have trouble walking by faith because we have been taught and mistaught, miseducated to walk by what we can see. But if you look at the history of our, of, of African Americans, there was a time during slavery we couldn't see where we are now. And it, see, my my ancestors can be traced back to the 1700s in in, in, in Rockbridge County, Virginia, and Timber Ridge. And my great 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 grandfather Erasmus Henderson, right? He gave birth to Robert Henderson, who gave birth to Samuel Henderson, and they could not see who I am right now. But they took. They bought themselves from slavery. They gave land to their children and to their children's children. So that let me know that they had a vision of their children doing better than them. Why else would they buy land and then give that to their children? So that let me know that from a faith perspective, my family or my my roots of faith go much further than I ever knew. And I think if I knew that before, I would have made different decisions. But nevertheless, this is why this platform is needed, I believe, because we have to begin doing the research in our own family to find out who we are. And I like to let people know that when I am studying the Bible, I see people who look like me. I see people with melanin. I don't see anybody who is in the Bible that, does not have a whole lot of melanin because you cannot be during this biblical time studying this word and not knowing that you were in a in a place or region in which people came from um, from a darker hue amen meaning that you know meaning so much so when you understand who the moors were see there was a culture operating in egypt in africa in you know the middle east without white supremacy you know clouding our images because what has happened c- from a Christian standpoint is that white supremacy has put in images that have made us look away from who we are and look to something else and that is how we got misled from a Christian standpoint but i believe what god is attempting to do is to give us clarity so we can find our footing and our stepping as african americans you know people who created a religion who created a faith in the brush arbor of slavery back in the 1700s and 1800s. See, I don't believe that the white slave master gave the slaves the religion. I don't believe that. I believe that the slaves took Christianity from them and made it into something that they've never fathomed. I believe that the indentured African slave, they took the only spiritual things that were being fed to them and they reproduced and remade it into something that has never been seen before. See, typically people like to see it as though, oh, the slave master was gave them Christianity. No, no, I, I don't think that. I believe they took it and they made it into what they needed to be. And as a result of that, that's how they endure slavery. That's how they topple slavery. That's how we've been able to exist. In, in American soil in a triumphant fa- fashion in spite of our opposition is based off of faith of those slaves. And I can speak to that because now I've realized that those slaves were my great, great grandparents. As I look back at, the, at at my family history, I could see this and it showed me something was taking place in the African-American community. So I believe that the whole entire Christian movement the current Christian movement in America is a result of what African Americans have done, and how people have misused that and abused that, and have given Christianity a poor name. And so, doing this podcast, I desire to rightly divide the Word of God, and for us to jump into and resolve some issues, and to look more closely at things we have a problem with that maybe you can't ask your pastor in church, maybe you can't ask your you know your deacon, whomever else. Well, you can come on this podcast, at Iron Sharpens Iron, and we can talk about it. And so let's go to the scripture because the scripture of Iron Sharpens Iron is Proverbs. And I'm actually I'm breaking out my Bible. I am not adept at memorizing scripture. I have to look up stuff like everybody else. And so I, I, I share that because I, I know people who feel less than because they can't quote scriptures. My grandmother's always tell me, it's not about quoting the scriptures, it's about having the spirit of the scriptures in your heart. And so many people have the spirit of the word, but they haven't been told that yet. But my grandmother always taught me that. So in Proverbs 27, 16. 2716. I'm sorry, 27-17. It says, and sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wits of another. And so what that scriptures mean is that we are sharpened intellectually by conversation. And that is how we develop faith. That's how we become wiser in our understanding. It's one thing to only talk to yourself, but it's another thing to share your thoughts with somebody else. It's in the sharing with somebody else that we become sharpened and we, be, we, we begin to build deeper, long-lasting relationships. So if someone is not willing to engage you intellectually, emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually, then typically they're not someone who's ready for what's inside of you. And so here on this show, it says iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wits of another. See, it says one person, right? Not many people, but it just oftentimes takes one person to sharpen the wits of another. And so during our time here, 60 minutes or so, We are really going to make an attempt to sharpen one another. And this is why I was sharing about the false gods. that you have to minimize the false gods in your life if you want to embark on a trusting and faithful relationship with Yahweh. Because Yahweh won't tolerate false gods. So we have to make a decision who we're going to choose, the false God or Yahweh. And see, typically you can tell a false God because it's something that irritates you. Amen? It's something that you can't shake. Like It's almost like as a parent, your children start to grow older and you get upset with them because they're extending themselves, they're trying to become more independent but because we've always held on to them we resist their independence Right? because we resist their independence because we cannot control them and when we cannot control them we have to begin to understand that's a sign that you have worshipped them improperly and so we have to put all things in their proper place if we're going to grow and then also if we're going to heal our community. And so we have to start to look at, the you know, things that we do that maybe we were taught wrong. We have to start to look at, at things that we do that we could also do better, okay? So, and this is what the, this is how we try to approach the gospel at the way of the Lord here in Richmond, Virginia, 1700, Brother Street. We try to, you know, rightly divide the word and to apply it to our everyday life. And so, again, false gods, get them out your life. Because they can leave your life unfulfilled. They can curse the next generation. You know, they can cause you to be spiritually inept, spiritually drained, spiritually confused. They can cause you to become anxious, overly tired. You know, you can become sick by this. But when we have a we have, we have a strong spiritual foundation, the spirit you know gives us wisdom on how to conduct ourselves, on what to do and what to, and what not to do. So we should be living by the spirit and not living by the flesh. Right. So we're talking about living by the spirit. We're living from a higher you know, elevation of love, peace, forgiveness, understanding. You want to resolve conflict. Right. Because that's a part of your faith walk. See, it's hard to be faithful and walk in the spirit of the Lord when you have an evil heart. Because typically, you know, when you are thrust into the fire, your true self is going to present itself. And this is why many people can't stand to be sharpened. And this is why I like the scripture over in Proverbs 20, 27, 17. And it says, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens the wits of another. We have a break coming up here in 30 minutes. Before going to break, I want to thank, you know, the Black Radio um, Talk, Black Talk Radio Network for hosting us. And for continuing to, to allow us to be on this platform, I want to always thank the Way of the Lord um, Fellowship over 1700 Blair Street. And I also want, want to thank um, RVA Soul, my good, my good brother Purcell. But I want to thank the people who also helped me out. You know, my mother, you know, during was doing the last few months, and my, my, my producer, my good friend, uh, my brother, um, Kenny Lee. And not to throw out names, I'm just to chance the people who helped me to get to this place. And so thank y'all for continuing to tune in. We're going to take a brief message. And we'll be right back and say three minutes, okay? Please enjoy the music by James Satchmo, Satchmo Gates. Ta- the song is in the new beginning. We're back back for the last installment, for the first installment of, oh gosh, Iron Sharpens Iron, talking faith with Pastor Henderson, and and forgive the pause, um, I was just kind of taking deep breath, taking all this in, it's been a long um, journey to get to this point. And I'm excited to be here. And as um, on break, I just was just trying to take in and look and just got kind of emotional um, because all that I've gone through to get here. And one of the things I want to share going forth is that I don't think that I could have effectively do what I'm doing if I had not been injured um, back in Africa. Um, I think all of that prepared me for this moment. And um, I'm excited to be here and I'm thankful to be here. And and I just believe um, I believe in God, obviously, but I believe in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the light. Um, the practical examples of the Scripture, um, the way the Scripture has been um, um, unfolded, and oftentimes misrepresented to us. And so, um, so, some of the things I want to talk about is when you look at what's happening in Genesis chapter twelve. Um, There are things that happen in Genesis chapter twelve. If we play, I mean, pay close attention. It kind of teaches us what happens in indigenous cultures and societies. And I am not trying to pacify what I'm about ready to say, but I'm I'm speaking about some of the issues that um, that occur in scriptures as a result of human relationships. And when we're reading the Bible. I think it's important not only for us to see ourselves in the scriptures, but understand that we are, these are people. We're reading the history of people over thousands of years ago, and what we what we don't see oftentimes are the social dynamics, um, the personal interactions, um, the things that that were not said and are not said, and sometimes um, even if you read Greek or Hebrew, you don't really see it. So there's certain nuances of the scripture that typically we miss when we haven't been properly trained. And I am not trying to discredit anybody who hasn't gone to seminary. I'm only saying that you have to do study. And so you have individuals who do a lot of study. I mean, I don't know about T.D. Jakes. I know that he's somebody who's done a lot of study. I'll be able to develop and see the scriptures um, as they are. And so in like manner, I've done my study and I pretty much can stand up against anybody I believe and sharpen myself or be sharpened. Um, With that being said, over in Genesis chapter 12, we see Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, being given direction by God. And so from Genesis 12 to 13, I want us to understand that doing this, you're gonna see Abraham, Abram, forgive me, um, make many mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes, but Before we are quick to look at his mistakes, I want us to read, you know, in Genesis 13, 14, and then kind of backtrack there. Because what I want us to see oftentimes is how we can not see what's in front of us, because there's things blocking in between us and God, in between us and the destination God is showing us. So in Genesis 13, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, raise your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offsprings like the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Rise up. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Okay? Notice how Abram moved once God spoke while Terah settled. Abram moved and settled where God was pointing him, as Terah settled where he wanted to point. But but before we get there, I want us to go back forward to Genesis 12 because Abram was told to leave and go to a place that I will show you. And in between that, a whole lot of things occurred. We're not certain of the time frame, but what we are certain is that we see somebody learning how to walk out their faith. Why do I say that? Well, Abram was told to separate from his kindred, Abram was told to separate from his country and his father's house. So we have to examine why he was unable to do that cold turkey, right? But we have to remember, Abram was an idolater. He worshiped false gods. And so he needed time to separate from his false gods. And once he did that, that's when God opened up. Yahweh opened up and showed him where he was supposed to be. And Abraham was actually in the place that Yahweh wanted him to be in, but he could not see that until he obeyed Yahweh and separated from Lot, which was his kindred, right? And God already, Yahweh already told him to leave his kindred back <clears throat> over in 12.1. So we see that Abraham needed time to work out his salvation, as my grandmother used to say. And I shared that because I think oftentimes we're impatient with ourselves, and we are impatient with one another as Christians, thinking that things should be happening overnight. Nothing happens overnight. And I'm preaching to myself, but nothing happens overnight. Things happen when they're supposed to happen, whether we like them or not. And when we are walking by faith and not by sight, we get a better understanding of that. And so what we see happening in the scripture is that over in Genesis 13, Abram is now allowed to open his eyes but over in Genesis 12 verse 4 it says so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him well Lot was his cousin and Abram should have separated from Lot or told Lot he wasn't allowed to go but Abram did not do that and then Lot and Black servants and his servants had a strife or a conflict. And I also want to point out, too, that Abram was very wealthy. So money was no problem because his father, Terah was very wealthy. So when you have servants and made servants, that suggests you got some money, right? But it wasn't about his money. God was calling him out for the purpose of having something, some descendants. It wasn't about the money because his money couldn't buy him children. Right? See, now we can have adoptions, but during this time, it was about your descendants and your children, because that determined your value as a man, that determined your value and worth as a woman. And if you didn't have any children, you was kind of frowned down upon. And this was a conversation that happened between God and Sarah, which we will talk about possibly later. But what we're talking about now is a foundation of faith and getting an understanding that just as Abraham needed time to settle on his faith, so do we. But you won't know that if you can't talk it out with people. So you won't know that when you're trying to study on yourself, you're wondering why this bill can't get paid, you're wondering why this is not happening, and you're worrying about it. And that is a that's a false that's a false god, worrying anxiety, a false god. We shouldn't be doing that, right? But we've been taught to do that. And so, a part of learning how to talk through your faith and work it out is learning to miss to uneducate yourself from things that you have been miseducated about. And I'll say that one. One more time, we have to uneducate ourselves from things we've been miseducated about. And not just as it pertains to the gospel, but just in life in general, right? What I know at 54 is not what I knew at 20. But more importantly, what I knew in November 2021 20, is not what I know in August 3rd, 2022. So just in that short amount of time, So much has happened and I have gotten so much or received so much information in my journey that now I think I could possibly share it and be a blessing to somebody else and also allow somebody to be a blessing to me, okay? And so um, when we're we're understanding this process, I think it's highly important that we be truthful in that Abram in verse 4 was passive in his relationship with Lot. He should have immediately told Lot, hey, God already told me that you can't go. I got to separate from you. But he didn't do that. And so in in verse four, it says, "Lot Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he had departed from Haran. Abram took his wife, Sarah, and his brother's son, Lot, and all the possessions they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, right? So, Abram was completely disobedient in him taking people with him, but he was not disobedient in getting up and going towards the land of Canaan. So he, yes, he was disobedient because he took his kindred with him, but he wasn't disobedient because he did separate from his father's house. And he did separate from his country. He did leave Herod. And he did go over. But he did not separate from his kindred. And what that why is that significant? Because, see, it is the teachings of our kindred, the teachings of our families that oftentimes have hindered us in our walk. We should not be abandoning our families. But when your families have harmed you, when your families have wronged you, when your families have hurt you, and there has been no resolution we will quickly separate. And typically, we don't deal with these issues as as African-Americans in our family. We keep silent. We keep quiet. And what that does, again, it impacts and curses the next generation. So the secrets, the lies, the pain, the wounds, all the things of the past that have been uncovered, they come out in the soil and the atmosphere in which we speak. Because life and death is the power of the tongue. And we speak and we establish an atmosphere. And those children are reared in the atmosphere that is spoken because words are matter. Words don't just disappear. They hang around in the atmosphere and they attach themselves to those who are there. This is why growing up, I wouldn't let my great grandmother you know, condemn me because of my dark skin, because she was of a lighter skin. So she would oftentimes say to me, you, you black little boy, you know, because that's what she was taught. The light was better, right? And so I would say to Mama Floor, Mama Floor, you're not no better than me. I said, because you lied to me, that's not right. And she was like, you know, you you right, you right, but but you're still darker than me. I said, You right. I said, I am darker than you, but I'm also prettier than you. You know, so I would say certain things back to her that I think my other cousins wouldn't say. So they was afraid of Mama floor. And I'll say that because I was talking to my uncle. And he was like, you know, uh, you know, uh, mama was kind of mean. I said, no, mama four was very mean, right? But but I shared that because we had to break some things. People were still afraid to say that she was mean, and she'd been dead for 20 years now, right? So she left a a large presence over top of our family, and mostly good, but all they wasn't good. And so we had to begin to examine our families and, and remove some of the things that were spoken over us, that were said to us, that were said about us, so that we can grow in our faithful development. Amen? Because ultimately we want to grow faithfully. And oftentimes we don't know why we're growing faithfully because we have not been exposed to the atmosphere. We have not been exposed to understanding, you know, what's taking place in the spiritual realm, right? And so what I like to talk about in sound mind, I do a sound mind piece, is, is that in, in order to in order to have a healthy atmosphere you have to have a healthy heart and a healthy um, speech life so what I attempted to do you know in my in in my children was to speak love over top of them in spite of the atmosphere in which they was raised and that's what my grandmother taught me was to speak life over top of you though I was being raised in a, in a house in which domestic violence, in which molestation was occurring, in which alcoholism was occurring, in which there was a whole lot of emotional and mental abuse was occurring. But for some reason, my grandmother would speak life over me. No matter what anybody else said, my grandmother spoke life over me, and she promised me that God was going to do a great thing in my life. And this happened so often that other people around me felt like she was missed. She she wasn't doing the same thing with them, but there was a reason because she was trying to cultivate in me a mentality or a mindset, because I was being raised around a lot of women, and she didn't want me to take on the characteristics of the women, so she was intentional to speak faith in me, to speak love in me, and she would not allow people to baby me, you know, or, or to pacify me. So my aunt would say, hey, boy, you're not going to be a punk, you know, you might you not trying to be a sissy, because there, were not a lot, there weren't a lot of men in our house. But she wanted to be intentional to make sure that I was reared in the admonition of the Lord, right? And she was giving me the best of what she knew, understanding that she was the descendant of the great great grandfather that was a Christian. So I'm like a fourth or fifth generation Christian, and I'm, I'm really starting to see this thing pan out. I mean, but I didn't see this until I got hurt. And so we don't want to condemn people for not walking out or walking in their faithful relationship the way we think they should, because all of us have gone through a process, okay? And so in the scriptures, in Genesis chapter 12, I hope we're able to see when you read this, the process that people, that Abraham go through in order to get to their faith, okay? And so that's what's happening over in Genesis. And so as we prepare to close out, we got about 15 minutes left. Um, I, w- I want to just, uh, you know, just just make you some, um out a few things. Okay, because as my my, my brother um, Kenny says, you have to give them some steps. You have to to be give them some application. And so the first application is you have to do inventory of the false gods in your life. You have to begin to remove the false gods of your life. Before you can even get to a place of faithfulness, you have to first remove all the faithless things in your life that have been misrepresenting you and misfeeding you. You have to identify things that are not feeding your spirit. You know, i give you a prime example of what I'm going through. I love starches, but I realize that I've become addicted to the starches. And so I have taken a, uh, I'm going to fast for starches for as long as I can. So I'm not going to eat any bread. I'm not going to eat um, um, any rice. I'm, I'm not going to eat any pizza. And if anybody knows me, I love pizza. So what I'm trying to do is to starve this thing in me, right? So because I realized it's causing me a negative impact in my late eating at night and things of that nature. So in order to defeat that, I got to starve it. So in order to starve it, I got to abstain from it because I didn't like the fact that sometimes I'm craving, you know, you know, starches and sweets late at night. So so white sugar is another addiction that they have given to us. It has become a false god, right? So late at night, we got to have something sweet because there are um, things inside of us that's causing us you know, parasites, there are parasites inside of us that's causing us to crave something sweet because we have been, you know, given sweet things all of our life. You look in the labels and how much sugar, how much sugar and things that we're eating. See, that right there impacts our faith because now we're eating unhealthily, right? We're, we're eating sugars. We're taking in sugar. You know, now we have high blood pressure. Now we have sugar diabetes. Now we're overweight, right? And see, now we're, we're struggling with physical conditions. And now we can't even worship, you know, we can't even praise God because we have physical conditions because we didn't know we were addicted to white sugar, right? So this is what has to be unwrapped to get an understanding as to why the African-American people that created Christianity is not operating at the level they was operating when my great 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 grandparents. See, during slavery, they created the church. And that church became so large spiritually, it began to change this country. And so why is the church not as powerful as it was back then? And I would say because we had too many false gods in our churches. We got false gods everywhere. And no one wants to say anything about it because we live in an idolatrous country. But that's not the way of the Lord. And so here on Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith with Pastor O. Henderson, we're going to have conversations about these things and we're going to have honest conversations based off of scripture based off of scripture not to you know not to 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 re- minimize the power but to add to the power there's so much power in the truth and once we understand who we are as a people of faith then we can take back our communities then we can take back our families and then we can make sure change occurs and because when that happens that's the true resurrection, right? That's the true revelation. When we make the change, when we be the change. See, when people talk about Jesus coming back, I think the comeback is the big payback, as James Brown say. Because when we begin to take care of ourselves, we begin to have you know churches with gardens, churches with schools, churches with health centers. Churches with banks. See, so now the church become what it used to be. And I believe that all that's taking place right now is divinely placed, is happening at the right time because God is, is creating a church that's going to provide for people. So at our church, we're trying to establish a health center. We, we're trying to establish a garden. We want to do a farmer's market. We want to provide a bank. We want to have a pharmacy. We want to have all that is needed right there in our churches. And so we want to make our churches start being about the people and less about the pastor we want to make our churches being about the communities and in order to do that we have to remove the false gods that are even occupying the pulpits that are occupying you know where the deacons and deaconesses sit. see because oftentimes in that idolatry you'll see molestation you'll see little, little young girls coming to our churches pregnant when there's a whole bunch of older men going on and no one standing there. So we have to expose all of that stuff from a scriptural perspective, so we can handle it properly, so the church can heal, so the people of God can heal, but more importantly, so we can bring forth more love and peace for people who've never felt the love and peace of a people of God that are healed walking by faith, walking in love, walking in peace, walking in joy, and living according to the Spirit. And see, all of this begins over in Genesis. And this is why it's so important that we know this now as we embark upon that Christian journey because now we know what we're up against. And so at our church, I've, I've been talking to us, how can we have the mentality of David? You know, why did David know that he could defeat Goliath though Goliath was an adult, he was a child. Where did that mentality come from? And so I realized in my family, they used to always say that we were bigoty, right? We were overconfident, which always went back to slavery because they couldn't break us. Because we were so confident, they mislabeled us. They put other adjectives on us to minimize our strength because they wanted to break us. But my family wouldn't break. They wouldn't break. And as a result of that, the Henderson men, Or the Henderson people are always seen to have a a little air about them, a little confidence about them. They just believe they can do certain things. Well, I I know where that comes from. It comes from a self-belief that you refuse to be torn down by other people. And I want to say as Christian people, that is our roots. It's time that we stand up. It's time that we we sharpen one another in love and peace and in conversation. It's time we, we resolve the conflict in our community. It's time we take back what they stole, and more important, we stop waiting for the folk to give to us, that we take what was what, what's, what's out there and we use it for, our, for, for for building our communities, but more important, for the glory of God. I think that's the way of the Lord. That's what we're going to be talking about on, on this podcast. You know, for however long we're here, we are a humbled and thankful once again to the Black Talk Radio Network for allowing us this space. where we're, we're excited about RVA Soul and allowing us to, to operate this here. You can reach us um, at TalkingFaith at gmail.com TalkingFaith at gmail.com um, You can also go to, go to, um, go to Facebook at, at The Way of the Lord and like us on Facebook and you can send us a message there. I am Ellis O.D.U. Henderson on Facebook. Um, you can reach me personally. You can reach me on Instagram at Ellis O'Neill 365. I um, mean, you can reach me on, on, on Twitter at Ellis O'Neill 365. And so um, we're, we're excited about, about what's taking place. You know, this is our again, this is our first night. We're pre-recording this. It's going to air on Friday. And so we're just excited about the process. There are some kinks that need to be worked out, but continue to, um, to, to be patient with us. Um, send me an email. Um, I got a personal email I, I'll give you as well. Um, it's at Eohenderson365 um, at gmail.com. Eohenderson365 at gmail.com. You can email me there. I'd love to hear from you. You can get some input. Um I have a I'll make sure we have a, a correct email um, at our next broadcast. But for tonight, I thank y'all for tuning in. Um again, we thank James Sachmo Gates for allowing us to utilize his song, um, the, the new beginning. Have a blessed night. Peace and blessings. Stereo I want is that channel.